The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ZWC. Today, we're speaking with Fergus Moore all the way in Scotland about his company Revive Eco. Fergus, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you're the founder of Revive Eco. Yes, that's correct. Uh, along with uh, my co-founder, Scott Kennedy, here in Glasgow. Awesome. And what does Revive Eco do? So to kind of give you a really quick summary of what we're doing, we collect and recycle used coffee grounds in order to create a range of high-value and sustainable products. So basically what we're looking to do is provide a coffee waste collection service that we're already providing across the length and breadth of Scotland. We're collecting about a tonne of coffee a week at the moment, and that's still at a really small scale. We'll then take it back to our facility where we're developing a technology that allows us to extract and purify the different chemicals, sugars, proteins, everything held within the coffee grounds uh, that have uses in things like cosmetics products back into the food and drinks industry, potentially even pharmaceutical products, textiles, you, you name it. It's, it's got a wide range a wide range of uses. And then from the residual material, uh, we can then make a, a soil conditioner or a type of compost, which makes the process completely zero waste. And that's Revive in a nutshell. So you said a ton a week, but that seems like a, a lot of coffee grounds. So how many places are you collecting the coffee grounds from? Yeah, when you see it in person, a ton of coffee is, a, is an awful lot. Uh, but yeah. uh, in comparison to the amount of coffee that's out there, it's actually still a really small percentage. Um, there's around about 40,000 tons of coffee grounds in Scotland alone. So, wow. yeah, we are still at a pretty early stage. Um, we're collecting from maybe a sort of 20 or so different uh, places across Scotland at the moment. We've focused more on the kind of larger scale waste producers. So places like universities, hotels, some event venues. So like in Glasgow, there's the Scottish Events Campus, which is uh, one of Europe's biggest event campuses. Um, Edinburgh University, one of the biggest universities in the in the country. So rather than going along the kind of independent cafe route, which is maybe where you would expect the most coffee to be coming from, uh, we've gone more on the kind of like larger scale uh, before looking towards the kind of cafe route in the future. Mm-hmm. Does Scotland have a big coffee chain? Like we have Tim Hortons, we have Starbucks here. America has yeah. Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts. Yes. Probably the biggest one in, in Scotland would be Costa Coffee. We do have Starbucks. We're, we're starting to see a few Tim Hortons uh, sort of dotting up around here as well. Tim Hortons? But yeah, Costa, Costa would definitely be the, the biggest one for us. You have a Tim Hortons in Scotland? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, maybe two or three in Glasgow now at most. Probably the biggest that I've, that I've totally forgotten about there is actually a place called Greg's. It's actually a, a UK-wide chain. It's more of a bakery so they kind of sell like pastries and things like that but they also sell huge amounts of coffee they're probably actually the biggest seller of coffee uh, in scotland 
I don't know what it is about the Western world and our fascination with coffee, but I I tried to quit drinking coffee and I had a headache for five days. <laughs> yeah, and, I know. I don't know what it is. I think once you're kind of once you're hooked on it, you become a wee bit. You kind of depend on it a wee bit. Um, mm. uh, I'm I'm certainly the same. Yeah, yeah. I went back to drinking, and I think I quit two months and was not getting enough work done, so I went back. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it seems like so many of our countries just just love it. So to be able to remove the waste from it is is great. And and I drink coffee zero waste, so I get it from a bulk store in my own containers. I grind it at home and uh-huh. make it in French press. So uh, I think that zero waste coffee is is definitely a sustainable thing as long as we're getting rid of, you know, everything that happens at the end end of it. So it's very yeah. nice to hear that that's what you're doing. So why are you doing this? Why is it important to divert coffee grounds from landfills or incinerators? Yeah, really great question. So Scott and I sort of to take you along, I guess, the personal side of the of the, of the business. Scott and I have both always had a real passion for purpose-led business. So Rather than businesses being, you know, their primary focus being profits or, or or anything like that, we feel that a business's primary focus should be a wider purpose. Um, and for us, our passion is the environment, is on sustainability, um, on the circular economy, things like this. We both worked in hospitality uh, while we were both studying at university. Uh, both worked in in different cafes and restaurants, so we were seeing firsthand every day the amount of food that was being wasted and just chucked in you know chucked in the trash for for really for no good reason it's that most of it was still perfectly edible and it still had value so we set about trying to come up with some kind of idea to combat this food waste in general is quite a complicated <laughs> a very complicated problem mm-hmm. so we we decided to rather than than looking at just sort of the broad broad picture, try to look at more narrow niche waste streams. Our two focuses were either going to be coffee or brewery waste, just simply because we drank plenty of coffee and we drank plenty of beer while we were at university as well. But we decided on coffee just because there is so much value still held within coffee after it's been brewed. We quite often say that, to be honest, making a cup of coffee from coffee beans is potentially one of the lowest value things you could do with it. Some of the oils in there have such amazing uses in, in, you know, pharmaceutical products, cosmetics products that sort of far outweigh making a, you know, a cup of coffee to just get you through the morning. And I guess, yeah, yeah from, from there, we've just kind of pushed pushed forward, tried to make the company um, as sustainable as possible. And our, our, our sort of end goal is to make the coffee industry itself as sustainable as possible. So even out with just the coffee grounds, trying to sort of promote that, circular mindset of that whilst you might look at it as a waste at the moment there's you know there's potential that that could actually be someone else's product so we're all about that kind of purpose-led business. So I'm really surprised to hear that there are valuable chemicals in coffee grounds because I guess I would have thought the same as you're saying like you make a cup of coffee you use the good part about it and then the rest isn't good but that's totally wrong isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's not to say that what's what's taken out during a coffee isn't fantastic. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I, I as we said, we both love coffee, so <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in comparison uh, to what's left, uh, there's still so much value there. The kind of the kind of most exciting thing for us is that it holds 
basically the same components as palm oil uh, within coffee grounds. Oh. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you will know that the kind of the palm oil has been in the, the, the news as of late for all the wrong reasons. Bad news. Uh, with, yeah. yeah, deforestation and, and places like Indonesia and Malaysia. So whilst we may not be able to provide a straight replication, it's not going to be exactly the same, even if we can provide a sort of alternative to the different industries that are using so much palm oil at the moment to just take a wee bit of the strain off of that industry. That's definitely a, a positive for, for both us and for, for the environment. So can you extract something from coffee grounds that would act similarly to palm oil in terms of hand cream and lip balm? And uh, I, I know they're in like cookies, you know, cooking, yeah. stuff like that. So are are you able to extract things from coffee grounds and then isolate this oil and then use it for those things? Yeah, so, so we're still oh. at the kind of development stage of that at the moment. Uh, so we're not really, we're not 100% sure on what the the extracts will actually look like, wh- whether they'll sort of act the same way as palm oil does. We know that the same sort of stuff, the same sort of chemical makeup is there. It's just whether or not it'll kind of react the same way as palm oil does still remains to be seen. But even even if it ends up that it does react slightly differently. We can we can then separate out the sort of different well the other components that are held within coffee that still have a really high value in other in other places. Um, but we are confident that we we will be able to produce some kind of alternative to palm oil. So I'm getting the picture that you are wearing lab coats and working in a lab and and trying <laughs> to figure this stuff out. Is that is that right? Or you do you have a lab as well? Yeah. So um, wow. Scott and I are both business graduates, we're not in any way the technical, scientific or engineering side of the business. We've got an amazing sort of whole array of of mentors, advisors and I guess partnerships that we've built uh, over the past couple of years that that are helping us out with that side of things. But we do, we are building ourselves a sort of in-house lab at the moment, relatively makeshift, but it'll do the job for now to, to start analysing these outputs. Um, we're working with a, a world-renowned research institute um, who's helping us with the development of the technology and uh, to, you know, to maximise the amount of these oils that we can extract. So we've got a sort of a, a huge, huge amount of knowledge that we can call upon when we need it. But no, it's, um, whilst Scott and I would love to be able to be going about in lab coats and, and <laughs> goggles, it's not quite, <laughs> it's not quite that yet. Little glass beakers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very cool that you're you're figuring this all out. It's very exciting because, yeah, palm oil, it's very sad to see. I don't know if you've seen that video with the orangutan and he's trying to, like, fight a big yeah. loader. It's just so heartbreaking. And I think it was, you know, people were trying to do the right thing by using palm oil for fuels and whatnot, but it just yeah. ended up being an absolute disaster. And, I mean, this is the way that things work. We research and develop and we try and things work and things don't. And we got to keep going and moving and finding the right solutions. So what are some of the other chemicals that you're looking at extracting from coffee grounds? Is there anything else that's as interesting as as a palm oil uh, replacement? So there's a whole range of things in there uh, that have, as I've said, kind of uses in, in various industries, different types of kind of acids, some sugars, some steroids in there. It's we are kind of at the stage now that we know we know everything that's there uh, and we know that we can that we can access them. 
It's just now trying to develop the technology to make sure that we can then separate out the individual things in the most cost-effective way possible. Because whilst our drive is 100% to have as, as broad an impact and, and this on the sustainability and, and environmental side of things, we do still need to keep an eye on the fact that, you know, this is a, a business. We, we do need to make sure that, that all the economics still add up and chemical processing is a very, very expensive business, unfortunately. So we're at the kind of stage that we're developing which which ones of these oils will we focus on for the in the near future. But yeah, a wide range of, of uses. That's very exciting. So do you have any advice for anyone at home who has leftover coffee grounds? And the reason I ask is because I read online that if you take coffee grounds and eggshells and put them in your house plants, that it'll help, but it definitely killed my plant. So yeah. I think I put way too much in maybe. Yeah. But if- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've read lots of things like that. There, there seems to be kind of a bit of, some people seem to say that it is good for your houseplants. Others seem to say that it's not. Uh, coffee grounds are very, very acidic, or they're 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 possibly too acidic for, for a lot of houseplants. Um, so whilst they might help some plants, it would need to be in very, very small doses. Yeah. Outside, uh, in, your, in your garden, coffee grounds are, are fantastic for acidic loving plants. So things like tomatoes, roses, things like that, they're absolutely fantastic for if you just kind of mix it in with your topsoil. Okay. Um, and also, they're great to put in your compost heap as well. They, When they break down, they create a lot of heat, which means that your compost will break down more quickly and you'll have more effective compost as well. Yeah, there's there's lots of things you can do with coffee grounds. I've read about people mixing the grounds with, you know, either coconut oil or, or olive oil even and using it as a face scrub as well uh, I'm not sure whether I I would personally put olive oil and, and, and waste coffee grounds on my face but some some people see, seem to kind of really love doing that and I guess it is a more sustainable way of creating face scrubs than maybe some of the other ways yeah, I've heard that too. And I'm not a scrubber person, so I don't think I would do yeah. it either. But I know microbeads were this huge thing where all these companies Absolutely. were putting little tiny pieces of plastic in so that people could get that scrubbing feeling. And then this year, our government actually banned them, microbeads. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good thing. So yeah, if you're a scrubber kind of person and you love to scrub your skin, then uh, yeah, I've heard that coffee grounds will work really well. What are you doing to make them into the soil conditioner. So is this sort of after you extract anything you want, you still have the coffee grounds, they still look like coffee grounds, and then are you just sort of putting them through some high heat composting to make a soil conditioner? Yes. So with that side of things, once we process them, it actually brings the acidity of them right down. So they actually become a more effective soil conditioner. That was a kind of issue we were facing was that it was kind of... Too acidic? They were a wee bit too acidic. But other than that, in the short term, we'll basically just be sending it, sending them all to big industrial composting facilities to be used on, on farms and the likes around Scotland. In the, the longer term, we would love to basically create a sort of another back-end process that mixes it with a few other things to actually create our own branded products that could be sold as a kind of a fertilizer type product. But that's that's much further down the line. We we know that the coffee grounds, even after the process, still have value. So so I think the idea of us after you know doing all this to then just 
get rid of it and send it to landfill or to or to wherever is just seem would seem ridiculous to us. So if there's any way that we can create a wee bit more value from the residual material, that's a that's a positive for us. Mm-hmm. And you're collecting it from universities and sort of bigger places. And are there are there challenges that come with collection? Are people hesitant to do it because it's it might seem dirty to them, or how do you do it? Yeah, so uh, the collections side of the business took a, took a lot of a lot of thought um, before we kind of decided on the route that we've gone down. There was lots of different ways that we were thinking about doing it, right through from kind of Scott and I literally going around Glasgow on our bikes, um, picking it up from individual cafes, up to what we're now doing, which is working with a resource management company here in Glasgow. They've already got vans on the road because that was another issue we were thinking. We we didn't want to be saying that we were this sustainable company, but then sending out, you know, these big bin lorries that were, oh, yeah. you know, running at two miles per uh, per gallon and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they've got, um, they've already have vans on the roads going around all around Scotland. And they basically collect the grounds on our behalf. And we, ju- we just pay them a, sli- a, a small like sub-license fee uh, mm-hmm. or sub-contract fee. In terms of, bringing in customers on that side of things we've done no outbound marketing at all we've not sold the collections at all and yet we've got to you know as i said that that kind of ton a week scale yeah. already um on the back of base i mean basically no work <laughs> from from scott and i which is which is quite nice sort of proves that there is a real a real want for it out there and we've got and i mean in the pipeline we're, we're at capacity at the moment but in the pipeline, in terms of collections, we've got, I think, enough to bring us up to maybe six or seven tons a week. So we are we are really confident that there's there's more than enough appetite out there in the market for, for the collections. Wow. So you bring it into an industrial compost facility? So we'll be bringing it into our, our own facility, uh, oh, right. which will have our technology, our oil extraction technology sitting in there. Uh, that will allow us to to process the grounds um, and and strip out these these chemicals, and then the residual material will go off to big composting facilities. Yeah. So, how did you find that coffee has all of these good properties that we can use, and why doesn't anyone else know it? <laughs> yeah. Well, to answer the second part of that, I think it's because people view it as a waste. So, the as soon as you hear the word waste, you think. You, you, no one thinks waste has a value, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even just the word itself, you know, straight away, no one's interested in it. Oh, it's, it's something that, that no one wants, no one needs. But, you know, that's why we sort of always try and tell ourselves to call it residual material rather than waste. It's, it's not a, or a byproduct. It's not, it's not waste at all. It still has a value. It's just it no longer has a value in you know, the the food and drinks or in a cafe it doesn't have value anymore, but it still has value to us. And in terms of how we knew it was there, it all started with a bit of just a bit of desk research, looking at different universities around the world that had, had looked at coffee grounds, had looked at kind of what they were made up made up of, both from the kind of the pre coffee phase and also the kind of the the waste phase. And um found that, that there was a lot of value there. All of the all these kind of research papers were saying the same. It's kind of like there is a lot of value still left here. You know, we're not really sure why no one's doing anything about it. So we then had a bit of a research done ourselves with the University of Strathclyde here in Glasgow, which basically backed up those claims that yeah, there are is 
there are a wide range of really high value things there. And I guess, yeah, we, from there, we've just pushed forward to make sure that we can get them in the most environmentally efficient uh, way possible. It's funny because I think sometimes we get caught up in all our technology and our iPhones and all this development and we think we're like at some sort of peak or something and I don't think we are at all. And I think this is a good example of it. So we're finding, you know, new things um, that have always been there. We just haven't been using them yet, right? So it kind of makes you wonder how many other things we're throwing away have these very, very valuable uh, components to them, right? Especially with food waste because – like you said, it's it's a very bad issue. So, yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's very much our super long term goal is to see if we could manipulate this technology to use it on other waste streams as well. So other big industrial streams like like brewery waste or distillery waste or things like that to see if there was a residual value there as well. And yeah, like like you said, you wonder why no one's done it yet. But it, I honestly think it is as simple as just nobody had the foresight to look. Because I think I, I think it's all very much just people think of it as waste. Waste goes in a bin. It's done. It's no longer needed. Which mm-hmm. is uh, we we are trying to I guess flip that that thought process on its head. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do too in the zero waste world: is stop that flow from creation of a product to landfill. And yeah. that involves whether whether it is to stop buying packaging or bad mm-hmm. things that are, are are meant for landfill. You can kind of switch your buying habits or make sure things get in the recycling or make sure things get into the compost. So it's all this um, multifaceted approach, I think, to to reducing yeah. waste. So is uh, is Scotland very woke to the idea of zero waste? Are people very sustainable there? Is there like garbage everywhere? Like what is it like in Scotland? Scotland, to be honest, we're very forward-thinking. There's a huge movement uh, in terms of the circular economy here in Scotland. Glasgow and Scotland in general is kind of leading, to a certain extent, leading the way with the circular economy, Good. which is really great uh, for us to be in a country that that has that, you know, so high up on its agenda. You know, it could do better, as as everywhere I'm sure could do better at recycling and and things like that. But there, there's a big government push towards sustainability. We we were funded through an organization called Zero Waste Scotland, which is a government funded organization that has a, a what's called it they called it the Circular Economy Investment Fund, uh, which was a pot of sixteen million pounds uh, to go into basically sustainable projects like ours. And I mean sixteen million in Scottish terms is absolutely enormous. I don't you know in the Americas and Canada and things like that. I don't know if it's quite as impressive, but in, in Scotland, it certainly is a lot of money. It can go a long way in terms of projects. Yeah. So, I think that Scotland is actually pretty pretty good when it comes to sustainability and promoting kind of sustainable innovation. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good place to be at the moment. Oh, that's so good to hear. That's awesome. And do you guys have incinerators as well? Because I know a lot of Northern Europe is uh, is on that path. Not not so not a huge amount. I mean, it's more. Um, there's maybe a couple in a place called Grangemouth, but it's there's a lot of there was a lot of investment into anaerobic digestion oh, in, yeah. in Scotland uh, and in the UK in general. There was a lot of government investment uh, or like subsidies for them. So a lot of the big energy firms and and uh, waste firms built their own AD plants, but the the funding for that I think is slowing slightly. Uh, but you know 
the AD plants are still all, they're already built and stuff, so it's good to have those there. I don't think there's a huge amount of that, though, but, um, you know, as I said, we could always do better. There's there's always more we can do, but it's, it's you know, it is good that Scotland at least has, it, has that on their mind. Yeah, that's really great to hear. We have so many landfills in Canada, and it's uh, it's causing a problem for groundwater, obviously. Mm. And then, of course, the methane that comes out if we don't get those coffee grounds out of the landfill. So, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool what you're doing. And can you imagine if a giant company like Starbucks, you know, was uh, working with you and then was getting coffee grounds out of the the landfills and and incinerators and whatnot, and then doing this on like a global scale, right? It could be yeah. it could be very very big. So that's great. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We kind of see it as you know our our business model kind of benefits all stakeholders. You know, we we're sending less waste to landfills, so the companies like Starbucks they see us saving because they're not paying huge. Uh, I'm not sure what it's like in Canada, but in, in the UK there's huge landfill taxes, so they would save on those. They get the kind of environmental sustainability, corporate social responsibility check mark against their name. So you would hope that, that would lead to maybe hopefully increased sales and and, and things like that. Um, and also we are then creating value at the other end of the scale. So we're creating these products that can go in and potentially replace things like palm oil. So, you know, there's kind of numerous industries can get really positive, see a really positive change through this. Um, it's just trying to yeah get it to that scale that we can work with the companies like Starbucks and um, and Tim Hortons and and the, and the likes. Um, hopefully, hopefully one day. Yeah, that would be so amazing. We have to do something. So it's uh, it's very nice to hear about this. And and you said you got some funding from Zero Waste Scotland, and uh, I saw the Prince's Trust logo on your website. Did they give you some funding as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, very a long time ago. It was at the very kind of the very start of our, our sort of journey, uh, they gave us a, a small grant just to help us. I think it was for for a, for a little bit of re- research. It might have actually been the research we did with Strathclyde. So I guess whilst it was a, sm- a small grant, it's had, it's had a huge, huge impact on, on the business. But yeah, that was a long time ago. How long ago did you start the business? So, I mean, the, the original concept was, and it would have been 2000 and I think 2013, we then we sort of played with the idea whilst we while we were at university, and then we actually founded the company the week that we graduated from uni. Um, which arguably we should have maybe given ourselves a wee bit of time off, but you know, <laughs> no rest for the wicked. Um, <laughs> we're but, gonna uh, save the world now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so that was in that was in 2015, and then the first kind of year and a half, maybe two years. It was a slightly different concept. We were looking at collecting coffee grounds on a really small local scale just to create the kind of soil conditioner compost product. Mm-hmm. So the kind of oil side of things wasn't really didn't really play a part in it at all. It's only really been in the last sort of 18 months, two years that, that that's come into the fray more as we've kind of done more or I guess learned more about what coffee grounds contain. And that's, that's where we've started developing this technology and developing the business model further. Mm-hmm. What if there's like medicine or something in, I don't know, banana peels or something, you know, and we're just like throwing it all in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, the mind does kind of boggle. You you wonder how much yeah. we're missing out on. Uh, you know, even even some of the, the things in there, you know, is just some simple sugars and things like that. But see if, you know, we're talking, there's about half a million tons of coffee grounds in the UK alone. 
if we can extract all the sugars from that, there's definitely a huge value in that and it, it can help reduce the relatively healthy sugars as well. So it's not so even if it could go towards sort of food and drinks products to help them maybe become a little less, you know, bad for your health or bad for your teeth. There's so many sort of potential positive outcomes from it. Mm-hmm. And then there's Genomatica too, which we had on the show recently. If you haven't heard of them, they're doing uh, like different sorts of plastics even. Um, and they're doing like different things for cosmetics to get away from anything that's fossil fuel based. And it's all with fermenting sugar. So oh, maybe that's something that they would use too. It's uh, I think the world is, when you look at it, I think our future can be very, very bright. It's just so much work to shift okay. from like the throwing everything in the trash mode but and and it, it seems so difficult to me to do it <laughs> to do the switch but yeah. we're working on it and uh, it's companies like you that are are leading the way so thank you so much Fergus it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you yeah thank you so much for having me yeah it's been it's been a really interesting conversation so thanks for having me yeah that's been fun thank you that was Fergus Moore from Revive Eco If you like our show and want to help save the world from all this trash we're consuming, please consider donating to the Zero Waste Countdown. You can become a patron on Podbean, you can find me on Patreon, or you can donate right on the website, zerowastecountdown.com. And if you're interested in seeing a photo of our guests, you can check us out on Instagram. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you want to email me, it's laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to all our listeners in America, Canada, Australia, Germany, the UK, and wherever else you may be tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Podcast.